What is the purpose of the church? I mean, I know we, uh, we worship God and stuff and try to live a better life, and those are part of it, but what is the purpose of the church? Why hasn't God just called us up to our eternal home yet? Why are we still here? Why hasn't the rapture taken place yet? What is our purpose as Jesus' followers? a stimulating line of questions. The answers to those questions lie in the mission that Jesus gave to his church. And good morning. Welcome to Community Grace Brethren Church, a church with a mission from God. We are in week three of our sermon series about that mission. The sermon series is titled, Sent to All Nations. The last two weeks, if you weren't here, we laid the foundation of a heart that God has for the nations of the world, the peoples of the world. And we ask the question, what, is, what in the world is the world that God loves? For God so loved the world. Is it the earth? Is it the world? And we learned that the answer lies in the key word that's in the series title. Do you remember what that word is? What's the key word of what God loves? The nations. Very good. The peoples, people groups, the nations of this world. Today we're going to focus on God's plan A, the whole purpose of the church, the whole purpose that he created the world. He has a plan A, and guess what? God doesn't have a plan B. And here's plan A of God. It's the story of the whole Bible. We talked about the Bible being one story, and we're still living in it today. God's plan A for the world, it's very personal to you. Here it is. It's got two parts. Jesus being sent into the world and then us being sent by Jesus into the world. Two parts, both Jesus' body. Jesus and Jesus' church are God's plan A, and there is no plan B. We're going to talk about that today in lots of different ways. If you don't have a bulletin, uh, to, so you can look along uh, in your notes, raise your hand. Chris is going to come. He's going to pass those out. There's just a couple of them around here. And on those notes, you see the title, Jesus, Two Bodies. Did you know that Jesus had two bodies? That sounds kind of funny, doesn't it? He does. He absolutely does. This is what the Bible teaches throughout its pages. Jesus has two bodies, and you see the parenthesis there. We are one of them. Let's, let's open the Bibles today. Hear from God a message that has everything to do with you as a believer, a follower of Jesus, and this church on the mission that Jesus gave us. We're going to learn so much about who we are, our identity, our purpose, where we're going. A helpful way to start the day is to look at Jesus' great commission. Now, I've asked you and challenged you to learn Matthew 28, 18 through 20. This is the life mission of our lives as, as Christ followers and as our church. Every church has the same mission. But did you know Jesus' great commission is not just recorded in Matthew, it's in all four Gospels plus the book of Acts. And there's a little bit different emphasis for all of them. So let's start today. I, I, I keep poking at Matthew 28 because it's the, it's the clearest and most well-rounded statement of the Great Commission. But the Great Commission is, is the story of the entire Bible. But Jesus gives it in, in all those five places. Let's just start today by looking at all those five places. This isn't on your notes, but let's just immerse ourselves in Jesus' commission to us. This is what he's told all of his disciples to do. So let's, let's look at these. Uh, each of them has a, their own emphasis. The Matthew 28, 18 through 20. 
has the discipling emphasis. Look at this. I'll just read it again. Then Jesus came to them and said, all authority in heaven and on earth is given to me. This is huge, and we'll unpack this today. All the authority in heaven and on earth is given to me. Go, you go, therefore. Literally, the Greek for the word go is a continual action, action verb. So it's as you are going. And I, just, I wish the English translation said that, actually, because that would be, that'd be helpful. As you are going, because you might think, well, I can't go across the ocean. That's not what it means. It's as you are going. And we'll unpack that today. But here's the Great Commission. As you are going, here's the commission. Make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And then it never stops, teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you. So making disciples is our commission from God. And of course, that has two different sides. It's got the evangelism side, where we make new disciples, and then it's got the discipleship side, where we grow mature disciples. That's the commission. Now, it's that evangelism part that Mark's and Luke's gospels focus on. Let's look at those. The evangelistic emphasis. Here's how Mark records Jesus' words, the Great Commission. He, he said to them, Jesus said to them, here it is, ready? This is our mission. Go into all the world, all the world, and proclaim the gospel to all creation. So that's that proclaim piece. That's the evangelism aspect. Luke does the same thing. Luke 24, 46 and 47. And Jesus said to them, Thus it is written that the Christ should suffer and on the third day rise from the dead. Hallelujah. Now look at the purpose of that, verse 47, and that repentance for the forgiveness of sins shall be proclaimed in his name to all nations, beginning in your hometown. Acts 1.8, this is the last recorded command that Jesus gave before he ascended into heaven. Acts 1.8 gives a global emphasis. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And that happened 50 days later at Pentecost. And the power of the Holy Spirit is still on his church. Why? He says next, and you will be my witnesses. Where again? In your hometown and in Judea and Samaria, the surrounding areas and the nations that are in your hometown. We talked about that last week. And then all the way to the ends of the earth. That's why we send missionaries to France. That's close to the ends of the earth. There are farther places. But thanks. it's so nice to have you guys here today during this mission series. We're going to have a lot of fun today and tonight at Threefold Communion with the Plasters. So the global emphasis, all the nations among us that are here and those that are far away, this is God's heart and this is what he calls you to share his heart and his mission with. Then I saved John's for last because this is what we're going to focus on today. That's the incarnational emphasis. What does that mean? Well, get out your Christmas vibes because we're going to talk about that. John 20, 21, again, Jesus said, peace be with you. And here's our thrust today with Jesus' two bodies. As the Father has sent me, same way I am sending you. Here's the mission, the mission of God. Jesus started it. We're finishing it. Let's talk about that today. Our message title is Jesus' Two Bodies. We are one of them. And if you see your notes, we have four main points today. And the four points that we're going through today show four dynamics involved in Jesus' two bodies. 
He had some dynamics as the God who was man, uh, the man who was God walking along the earth. And then when he transferred the Holy Spirit to make us his body, the body of Christ, we have some dynamics that we need to get to know. And we're going to look at the, the relationship between Jesus as the first body and us as the second body. This is going to be, I think, helpful for us and, Lord willing, inspiring us to join his mission with him and with each other. Because God's plan, he, God loves the whole world and he's got a plan A. It was to send his son and his son to send us. So here we go. The first of those four dynamics of who we are is God's plan A involves two bodies. So let's talk about the actual bodies, the physical body of Jesus and then the church, which he calls his body, the body of Christ. Let's see the verses around John's statement of the Great Commission. We looked at verse 21. Let's back up a little bit to verse 19 through 21. Here's what happens when Jesus gave this occasion of the Great Commission as recorded by John. Those opening verses set the stage here. On the evening that day, the first day of the week, that is Sunday, the day that Jesus rose from the dead. Okay, this is right after he rose from the dead. Here's, this is when it happens. The doors being locked where the disciples were for fear of the Jews. Do you realize this? That they didn't just crucify Jesus and be happy. I mean, the, the crowd was frenzied, angry, mad. They were murderous. And the disciples, you know, their lives were, were in danger. A lot like what's going on in Afghanistan right now. And I know that this church has been praying for Afghanistan and, and asking God for clarity on that. And we're actually going to talk about that situation next week in more detail. But it's the same kind of, I mean, they're kicking down doors in Afghanistan right now looking for Christians to shoot. Similar situation. The disciples are hiding. Look at what happens. In that environment, this is where the commission was given. Jesus came and stood among them and said to them, peace be with you. That makes sense that he would start there since they were scared in the first place. And all of a sudden he appeared among them. So he's like, all right, calm down. Peace. Peace be with you. If you've ever seen the movie Risen, that's well, pretty dark. Uh, how many people have seen the movie Risen with Joseph Fiennes? Have you ever seen that? I'm going to recommend that you watch that. It's PG-13, but we just watched that last Easter, and um, it was surprisingly good and powerful. Yeah, you can argue with some of the details, but that's Hollywood, right? This is the most, in my mind, the most powerful scene in the movie. Man, I can't see that at all. It shows Jesus right in this scene right here where he had just revealed himself to the disciples. And then Fines plays a Roman tribune that's investigating the missing body of Jesus. That's kind of the storyline. And his character walks in right when Jesus is there. He, I mean, he had just seen Jesus crucified and buried. And when he sees him face to face, he just has this moment. Well, I won't tell you how, how his faith developed over the course of the movie. But this was a powerful, powerful scene. And that's where they were in this moment. Now we come to verse 20 and 21. When he had said this, he showed them his hands and his side. Then the disciples were glad when they saw it, the Lord. Jesus said to them again, peace be with you. And he gives them a most powerful mission in the universe, which still defines us today. This is when he said, as the Father sent me, he had just accomplished the, the pinnacle time in, the, in all of human history, his life, death, burial, resurrection. As the Father sent me, 
so I am sending you into the world because I love the nations, the peoples of the world. Wow. So I asked the question when we started, why haven't believers just been taken to our eternal home yet? What you're looking at here is why. It's why Jesus saved you by his grace, called you to faith in him. This is why. And it's the two-part plan of God for the world. The plan is, in body one, the body of Jesus, the Father sent me. God the Father sent the second person of the Trinity, his son, to take on flesh. That's the incarnation. Sent him from the glories of heaven to become one of us on this earth to become a human to redeem humans oh the source of our hope and salvation we celebrate christmas we love christmas because of this the physical incarnation of god but the story doesn't stop there not not by a long shot body two is a new body of christ his church he says so i am sending you look at paul's astonishing words to the church in corinth he says 1 Corinthians 12, the whole chapter is about this, but here's this, the summary verse, chapter 12, verse 27. Now you are the body of Christ, and each one of you is a part of it. Now, who do you think the you is in that statement right there? Do you think that it's just the Christians who say, yeah, I'll go ahead and, and become part of a local church because, I, you know, I want to. Or do you think it is all believers in Jesus? It is all believers in Jesus. You are the body of Christ, and each one of you is a part of it. And what's our responsibility in it? 1 Corinthians 12, 12 says that we all have a part, and the functioning, healthy body depends on each part being healthy and serving its role. It's necessary, it's commanded, it's needed, it's purposeful. And oh, what Christ has made us together. Marvel at this, what you're a part of. The bringers of the love of God and the hope of the world to the world. In the same way, I am sending you, he says. This is also the you is you. And your salvation commissioned you to be a sent one. Sent on a mission. I think what takes us so long to uh, become aware of that, I don't think all, nearly all believers are aware that they're, they are sent. All of us. All of us are sent to the nations. And I think the reason we're so slow to actually realize that is because it's, un, it's unfortunate the way we <laughs> preach the gospel, share the gospel. And people come to Christ and we share the gospel as, you know, the hope of your salvation, freedom from your sins and salvation and bondage, eternal life, new life. That's kind of where we leave off, isn't it? I, I, I'm guilty of that myself. I, I mean, that's great that we proclaim the gospel message, but there's more to the story than that. You trust Jesus as your Savior. You, you get all that. You're part of the family of God. You have eternal life. But don't neglect to tell people you're also part of the biggest mission in the universe. Don't leave that off. 
Because that's who we are. We're God's, we're, we're Jesus' body on a mission for him, God's plan A for the universe. I mean, you don't want to leave that part off, right? And so that's why we're in this sermon series. This is important for us to know and, and grasp and claim and then be a part of. And oh, the glories that God shares as we, as we do, as we do join him in this mission. So Jesus, two bodies. He had a physical body here on earth, and now he's got a bigger physical body here on earth, the church. We are God's plan A. And in those two bodies, point number two, God's plan A involves two relationships. Let's look at the relationships that Jesus had in his body and that Jesus has in his new body. Here we go. In body one, Jesus' relationship was with his disciples. He was with them. He hung out. In Jesus' body number two, Jesus' relationship now lives in his disciples. Oh, what a difference those two prepositions make. Let's see how. Let's see what the difference is. When Jesus was with his disciples, he lived with them and he taught them and he traveled with them. And he had to give authority to them. And Matthew says, all authority in heaven and earth is given to me, therefore I give it to you for you to go. Now, after he leaves and the Holy Spirit comes, he doesn't give his authority to us anymore. We have it in us. We now have the authority in us, and we need to know this so we can claim this, because God will give you victory over what you're struggling with when you know this. The authority now to fight the kingdom of darkness in all of its forms is in his disciples. It's in us. And this change from being with to being in is a total game changer. It's, it's the tipping scale of the entire universe in the last 2,000 years. And it's right in us. It's how Christians from Jesus' 12 disciples to all of the true believers of Jesus since have been attacking Satan's kingdom of darkness and deception with God's truth. It's the power of the Holy Spirit of Christ living in us. Now, if that's new to you, let's look at some scripture to see where it's just so plainly taught, and we need to know what this means. We, we look earlier in John first to understand this concept. In John 13 through 17, those chapters, and you might want to note those to read those tonight. John 13 through 17. Jesus teaches all about this and how his Holy Spirit which Scott just read. He's going to leave his Holy Spirit, and his Holy Spirit is going to be in us. Let's look at John 14, just one of the places he says this. John 14, 16 through 18. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper to be with you forever. He's like, I have to leave you, but it's better for you that I leave you. I'm going to give you another helper who will be with you forever, even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. He's telling his, his disciples, I'm, I'm leaving you, but I will not leave you as orphans. Mm -mm. What does he say next? I will come to you. And again, 50 days after the resurrection, Pentecost happens. That's the birthday of the church when the Holy Spirit does land on all the people, and he's been here with us ever since. Not physically, Jesus doesn't come back to them. Physically, Jesus heads to heaven where he is right now at the right hand of God, but he sends the third person of the Trinity, the Holy Spirit, to be in us all at the same time. The rest of the New Testament talks about this a lot. 
It develops this mind-blowing truth many more times, especially Paul's letters. That we have this, the closest relationship with God because he's in us. And we have the most powerful authority against the kingdom of darkness. We have his power always available to fight against the schemes of the devil that crush us and defeat us and trick us and deceive us. And having this Holy Spirit makes us all part of Jesus' body called the church. There's the two relationships. This is getting pretty exciting, isn't it? We still have more to go. Once again, God's plan A involves two bodies. It involves two relationships with his disciples, with them then and in us now. But what do we do with this now? We've got some truths. Now what do we do? What comes next? God's plan A involves two actions. Two actions. Now we're ready to know what the mission is all about. Ready? In body one, Jesus' mission, what did he do? He came to accomplish a couple things, to model and to purchase. Those were his actions on earth. Then he leaves, gives us the Holy Spirit, and we become his body for two actions, two broad applications. One is to proclaim, and the other is to make, to make disciples our mission. This is who we are. This is what we do. Let's talk about these actions. All four of them. Kind of go around in a circle. Start with model. Jesus' mission was to model for us and then to go to the cross and purchase our salvation. We, live, we look at Jesus' life as a model. Let's, let's look why. In John 17, verse 4, look at what he says when he's praying to the Father right before he goes to the cross. Okay, this is right, he hasn't even gone to the cross yet. Look what he says in his prayer. He says, I glorified you on earth, having accomplished the work that you gave me to do. Did you catch this? He hasn't even gone to the cross yet, and yet he's saying, I finished the work you gave me to do. But, but I thought Jesus went to the earth to die on the cross. Well, he did, but that's not the only reason he came to the earth, he came to the earth to give us a model of how to live as well. And he says right there, I finished it. I accomplished the work that you gave me to do. Now he goes to the cross after that. So what did he do? What was the work that God gave him to do? It was several things. It was to live the life for us to model, to follow. That's why you have to read all the middle chapters in the New, in the New Testament, in the four gospel accounts. Between his birth and his death and resurrection, there's a ton of stuff. That's the life that we follow. We follow Christ. How do we do that? Everything, we look at his life. It gives us a wealth of information, of knowledge, how we should respond to every situation, every scenario, everything that happens to us the way he would if he was in our shoes. And we get a crystal clear presentation of what that would look like. Everything he believed, everything he valued, his priorities, the ways he walked, the ways he went about his relationships, the way he resolved conflict, the way he taught, his ethics, what he, he was very clear about what was right or wrong or the wisdom, what's better or worse. We know exactly how to live, how to, how to prioritize, how to treat people, 
by following his model. Then his ultimate purpose did come in his death on the cross, and even that, he says to model, we take up our cross and follow him. We're willing to die. We're willing to give up anything, anything. Whatever it takes, whatever it costs, we follow him. But he went to the cross and rose from the dead to purchase us. And aren't we glad? Amen. So we're all sinners, doomed and, and condemned in sin. That's what the God says. All through scripture, it's, it's the plain teaching. It is our condition. We're, we're trapped in sin. We're condemned in our sin. But read the New Testament. What a story. Look, just it's a couple verses. Galatians 3.13. Christ bought us with his blood and made us free from the law. Christ did this by carrying the load and being punished instead of us. He purchased us. He redeemed us. He purchased us from our slavery to sin, our condemnation. Romans 6.23, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. How? Through Jesus Christ our Lord. Jesus paid it all, all to him I owe. Who wants to just bust out singing that song right now? So I'm not going to leave you. I could call Tammy up, but um, maybe another time. Jesus paid it all. Meditate on that. All to him I owe. Amen? Okay, but action one is not the end of the story. The story isn't complete without action number two. That's what do we do in response of it. We don't just sit there and say, oh, God, you're so good, and not do anything. Here's what he calls us to do. Body two, Christ's body. Found in the two words, proclaim and make. We proclaim his salvation, and we make more disciples of him until all the nations have heard and are set free to worship God. And then the end will come. How do we do that? Okay, well, let's follow Jesus' model. We just learned that that was the right thing to do. In John chapter 20, Jesus models how to proclaim. He did a little show and tell. How many people remember show and tell from elementary school? You always remember that? I think probably all of us, at least my age, have done that. I don't know. Hopefully they still do that. What a great idea. So all the kids in the class grab something from home, bring it to the class, um, that they like, and they show it, and they tell something about it. I used to love that, personally. Here's what Jesus did. That's, that's Jesus. He, he did show and tell. I'm going to show you one of the occasions he did, and I, I think this is our model to follow right here. In John 20, start at verse 24 and 25. First, we have the situation. This is eight days after the first time he was up in that locked room. Thomas comes in. Now, Thomas, remember Thomas, Thomas, one of the twelve, called the twin, was not with them when Jesus came the first time. So the other disciples told him, we have seen the Lord. But he's like, you guys are crazy. Uh, Unless I see his hand, the mark of the nails, and place my finger into the mark of the nails, and place my hand into his side, I will never believe. Listen to this. This is the world that you live in. Unless I see it, I will not believe. Skepticism. Disbelief, a resistance to believe. This is your world. This is your classroom when you're in school. This is your workplace. You're surrounded by this, where you work, your neighborhood, 
They're surrounded by people who do not believe, who are skeptical. Maybe they've heard about Jesus, but they've never seen Jesus. Maybe they've never really heard what the Bible really says about Jesus. That's why Jesus wants us to show and tell. Look at verses 26 through 28. Eight days later, his disciples were inside again, and Thomas was with them. Here he goes again. Although the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here. See my hands. Put out your hand and place it in my side. Do not disbelieve but believe. Thomas answered him, my Lord and my God. Jesus showed Thomas, and he told Thomas, show and tell. And show and tell is how we should approach our culture today. Right after that, Jesus says, blessed are you today because you believe you're able to see and touch, but blessed are all those who will come later without having to touch me and that's all of us. He's talking about, that's the one time in the Bible that I'm mentioned and you're mentioned. Blessed are all those who believe without having to put your finger in the nail hole. That's all of us, and we're blessed for that, for that faith. But here's how we should show and tell. This gets into what's, what we call evangelism. You know, evangelism is a big word. Probably most of us have heard it. it. It means to tell the gospel. That's what it means, to tell the gospel, proclaim the gospel. And so we're called evangelicals because... You know, that's a broad term. Uh, it's just a broad term, and it means tellers of the gospel. So are you telling people the gospel? I hope so. That's what, this is our calling. This is our, who, we're, who we're known as. This is our identity. So let's do a little bit, tiny bit of evangelism training today. We could take a whole lot longer on evangelism training, but we're going to take a few minutes right now so we can do it and have a little bit better skills for our mission right now. What I'm going to do for the next few minutes comes from our own missionary, Dave Guile's book, Mobilizing the Mobilizers. There it is. There's Dave. He's going to be preaching here on September 19th, the day of the chili cook-off. So we'll be excited for that. This is from his book. And we talk, missionaries talk about going to the mission field. Could be France. Could be wherever. Wherever God calls you. Well, guess what? We all are sent to the nations we all have missionary fields, every single one of us. I'm going to focus on three mission fields from Dave Giles' presentation. This is so helpful. We have three mission fields where we have opportunities to proclaim and make disciples. Moment, you can write these down if you're taking notes. Momentary fields, periodic fields, and ongoing fields. You are on a mission. And you have these mission fields. I do too. So let's talk about this. Let's be aware and then have a little skill on our mission field. Our mission is Jesus' body number two. is to show and tell as we are going all the people about Jesus. And he is worthy of that. Amen? He is worthy for us to tell about. And people need him. And we can all do this. It looks a little bit different for each of these three fields and, and a little bit different for how we might approach them. But this is extremely helpful for those who want to obey Jesus right now. So listen. Number one is momentary fields. These are people that you see for a short time, like cashiers in the checkout line or servers at a restaurant. Okay, just because you're in their life only for a few seconds or a few minutes doesn't mean that's not important. God placed you in their lives at that moment, 
And what we have the opportunity to do is plant some gospel seeds, and I'm going to show you how. You were there with them as Jesus' body number two. That's who you are, and that's why you're there. So in this short exchange with a cashier or a server at a restaurant, something like that, you don't have time to solve the world's problems. You don't have time to get a, give a whole presentation of the gospel. You don't have time to live good lives before them. So in these short exchanges, it's more about the talk than the walk. It's all talk, not the walk. But you can talk and you can plant a spiritual seed. Ephesians 5.16, there's a command, make the most of every opportunity. Got to apply that as we go out into the world. Every opportunity, make the most of every opportunity. And here's right now, we can learn how to do that. So if you're sitting next to somebody that, that you'd like to talk to, do this to your, say this to your neighbor right now. If you don't, that's, that's fine. But if you're sitting next to somebody, turn to them and say, how are you doing? That's easy for us. Now, do it again, but this time say, no, how are you doing? And you'll find that people will be open. Not all the time. We're making the most out of every opportunity. To that invitation to being interested in each other and in them. Now say this to your neighbor again. Hey, do you want to hear some good news? God loves you. And he knows your name. Go, go ahead and say that. That takes about seven seconds. I timed it. Seven seconds is all it needs, all you need to plant a gospel seed. Has, has any of you ex ever experienced somebody out in, the pu in public saying something like that to you ever in your life? I see a lot of heads shaking. I have not very many times, maybe three times in my life that I can remember, but it, it feels great, doesn't it? It's so encouraging. You hear stories like that's the thing that kept me from doing something awful or it just meant everything. It, it's what drew me to even searching for God. We can do that. Even shorter is just saying, God loves you. I mean, you can say that on your way out from Walmart. God loves you or whatever. And you're planting gospel seeds. These are momentary fields. And we can scatter hope and life everywhere we go as Jesus' body walking along this earth just like he walked. Pretty cool, huh? Would we live that way? This is our mission. That's our mission field. The second one is periodic fields. These are people that you see just once in a while, like every week or monthly or occasionally, like clients, customers, people in the barber shop or the nail salon, the auto shop or whatever it is. Since you see these people occasionally, try to remember their name and their details, maybe even write them down if you need to. So the next time you see them, you can say, how was that whatever that you talked about last time? Oh, wow, that'll make, a, that'll make a, a difference. This is a relationship we're having with people. In the haircut chair, I have a little time to talk the talk and walk the walk. And so I, I pray 
I love, I love this person cutting my hair. I love Jesus. This person needs to hear about Jesus. So I just give God the glory for, for whatever we're talking about. I like to tell people about what's going on in our church and invite them. And then you got to walk the walk in these. They need to see that you're different than the world. And so I'd encourage you to encourage them, leave a good tip. That's money well spent because this is our life's mission. Many people come to Christ and have lives changed because of faithful body of Christ doing this very thing. Oh, <laughs> what a thing to be a part of. The hope and life of the world. That brings us to ongoing fields. And these are people that you see regularly, like your family. You see them pretty regularly. Um, the people you sit next to in class every day, at work every day, your neighbors. Our mission consultant, Jay Bell, likes to summarize this type of person as the guy on the shop floor. Okay, so there's the guy on the shop floor. That could be your peers at school or wherever you work or your neighbors or whatever. But let's talk about the guy on the shop floor. On this mission field, it's actually more walk than talk. Because if you're just talking about Jesus all day at work and not doing your job, that becomes, that becomes an issue, right? It can be divisive or it can be, um, you could get fired. Um, now, hey, if God calls you to be fired for your job, for making a stand that you're doing wisely, you're following all the apostles, and praise God, you're sharing in the sufferings of Christ. That's great. But on a day-to-day, long-term basis, you've got to walk the walk. We have to walk differently than the rest of the world. If Jesus saved you, he's given you the Holy Spirit, he's given you the, all the instruction of his word and a model to follow, we better be different than the world. We better be a lot different than the world. Then, every time the opportunity arises, we talk about who we love the most, and what God has done in our life, and how they can experience that too, and how they need to. Him we proclaim to the world. Now, that's some fun stuff, isn't it? I know I get pumped up uh, to do this, but guess what? You get out into, the, out into your normal life, and why don't we naturally do these things all the time? And I don't either. Why not? I mean, it's who we are. It's what the Holy Spirit gives us power to do. Acts 1.8 says that. Why don't we? Well, let's be honest. It's because we're, we don't always think about it. We're caught up in the function of why we're there. I'm getting a haircut. I'm buying groceries. I'm working. I'm in school. We get up, caught up in the function of what we're doing but what is our primary mission? To be the salt and light of the world and to proclaim Jesus and make disciples. And so we spend a little time today reminding ourselves of this, looking at what God tells us and what he's commissioned us to do. But after today, how do we remember? And I'm going to say the word accountability. Get an accountability partner or group or work this in. Your spouse, uh, you, can, you can challenge your husband or wife to, uh, we're going to do this as we go out. Kids are even better, and I have experienced this for years. I get my kids um, to hold me accountable for this, and they're always saying, Dad, aren't you going to give her a card, an invitation to the church? That's some accountability, and, uh, and I love that for them. Your small groups, you can re help remind each other every day, your discipleship groups. You're praying for the lost people in your lives together and spurring each other on to love and good deeds, says Hebrews 10. 
That's the advantage of being body number two together to spur each other on on our mission. And just see how God blesses you and the world through that. So God's plan A, again, involves two bodies, two relationships, two actions, and finally, I'm going to end with this. God's plan A involves with two ranges, two ranges or two scopes or, or two sets of limitations. This is a neat way to end it. In body one, Jesus had physical limitations. In body two, the church has no limitations except. I'll come back to that word except. In body one, Jesus had physical limitations. This was all part of God's plan. He only walked an area about 115 miles. And that's about the same distance from, as from here to Indianapolis. That's the, that's the space that Jesus walked. And he could only be at one place at one time. He could only be in the here and now. That's why he said, but, but this, this is his mission field. Not just from Warsaw to Indianapolis. All the, all the peoples of the world. So he had that physical limitation. How could he reach everyone? The answer is with body number two. The church. The church has no physical limitations. In terms of geography, the Holy Spirit is omnipresent. He's everywhere at the same time. In terms of time, Jesus' Holy Spirit is living in all 24 time zones at the same time. And the church is, is everywhere we take it, everywhere we go. Where you work, Christ follower, you're in range number two. Where you go to school, you're part of God's plan, range number two. Where you eat out, where you shop, the boardroom, the classroom, the conference room, the break room, all range two. There are no limitations to where Jesus' body number two can be. It's an enormous thing to be a part of and exciting too, isn't it? No limitations except. Here's how we limit Jesus. There's one way Jesus can be limited, and that's whenever we are not functioning as his body. Whenever we allow sin to control our hearts and minds rather than the spirit. Whenever we give in to fear. And God says, do not be anxious about anything. But by prayer and supplication. Make your request known to God. Whenever we fight in the body or hurt the body. Whenever we live for ourselves above Jesus, it's a constant battle. That's why his Holy Spirit's in you, and that's why the washing of the word transforms you. Brothers and sisters, God's word from front to back tells us the story of God's plan and purpose. Plan A very personal to you and to us as a church. We're on it. We are his plan A, body one, which came to begin the plan, body two, which is still here on earth. He hasn't taken us home yet. Why? To accomplish his mission. To complete his plan of love for all the peoples of the world. All the peoples of the world. And so the next step today is to identify your next step. This is very personal. We're all in different places and wired completely differently. So what is your next step? What's your first step into a life committed to Jesus' mission? Maybe it's salvation today. Maybe you're here and you have not trusted Jesus 
which means you're not even spiritually alive yet, let alone accomplishing anything for God. But he's calling you. He's paid. He's purchased your salvation, and he calls you. It's a free gift. Believe in me and receive it today, and I will give you this new life, eternal life, freedom from bondage, and this greatest mission in the world. What else could your first steps be? What's holding you back? What do you need to give up right now that's keeping you from this? What do you need to give up? What do you, who do you need to forgive? What attitude are you fighting? Is it complacency? You don't care? Doubt? Pride? Boredom? Is there anything you need to confess? Why don't you just go ahead, let's just do that right. If you'll close your eyes and just do that right now, just say from where you are, Lord, I, I know that thing that's keeping me. Or I can identify a few things that are keeping me. I just want to confess those things right now. Lord, I confess. Fill in the blank. Lord, I, I want to serve you in the way that you've created me and called me to do this. But God, this is in the way. And I want to confess it right now. And I ask for your help to overcome it or to resolve it. Now, he will answer that. Be ready for his answer. And be ready to utilize the church as help. Let's just close that prayer saying, I thank you for your Holy Spirit that's in me that gives me power and authority to take this first step. In the powerful name of Jesus, I pray. Amen.